Golf Podcast, presented by Golficity, where we bring you the tips, instruction, and support you need to get the most out of your golf game. And now your hosts, Frank and Mike. Hey guys, welcome back to the Golf Podcast. This is episode number 345, and we have so much to talk about today. In a, in a few moments, we're going to dive into our instructional piece where we're going to talk about how to play better under pressure. I don't care what style of golf you play then somewhere in there there's going to be some pressure it can just be pressure against yourself to score a little bit better Mm -hmm. it could be pressure with your buddies maybe it's a money game maybe you're playing in in your club championship who knows there's always going to be pressure it's part of the game so how you handle it is going to be how you ultimately perform yeah and a scenario you left out there frank is um perhaps trying to beat your personal best. That's right, which is a a huge (laughs) segue and teaser for something that we want to talk about here in a minute. Um, We've we've discussed goals. Uh, We've Mm -hmm. talked about how we are not professional golfers. We are not professional instructors. We just enjoy learning the game and sharing what we've learned here. And as part of that is sharing our own personal goal, like successes and milestones. And and Mike, you hit a, a, a really big one just the other day, didn't you? Yeah, just just yesterday. Um, shot a 79. Congrats. That's excellent, man. I broke it. It was great. And it was one of those days where everything was, was working. And I want to try to share as much as I can to you guys. Maybe it'll help. But um, I played at Apple Greens which is a place up in Ulster, New York. Really cool course because you can bring a bag with you or bags with you. And because of COVID, the rules went out the window. So now you're allowed to take as many apples home as you want. Okay. But like, you know, who does that? Right, right. And right. I got a nice handful. But anyway. And, you, and just for, for yeah. context, yeah. for anybody who's new listeners, this is your first time breaking 80. First time that's breaking 80. Yes, that's what the huge milestone is. Okay. So 79, I was, um, it was cool. I was with my father. Um, so he got to witness it too. And Everything was was working for me. When I got to the course, the interesting, you and I talked about this last night, is I noticed that it wasn't a long course. It was like 6,100 mm-hmm. all the way back, tipped out. And um, the, the whole course was filled with, like, it was an apple orchard. There's apple trees. And there wasn't that many of them. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of get aggressive off the tee. And if you went a little right, you're not hitting a big tree. You're going over the apple tree into another fairway. Right. So very wide open. So here I am. I'm not making excuses. I'm not saying it was an easy accomplishment. I shot 79 strokes over an 18-hole round. I'm taking it to the bank. <laughs> of course. But um, for me, honestly, I'm just going to flip this to you, Frank, and show you. 334.89-yard drive on four on a par five. I, I got home in one. two. It, it was one of those things where we had this lesson with Matt at Baltus Roll. Yes. And he had, he gave me this one simple tip about a like – a, I was kind of just tilting my, my spine back, trying to hit up on the ball, and I was trying to put those things into play. And all of my drives off the tee were – more straight mm-hmm. there was no no slice yesterday at all which was weird yeah which is great well but, it's not weird if you think about it, if you're starting to employ some of the tips that, that matt gave you which by the way we'll, we'll share with you guys you know really yeah soon. can't wait to share that video a lot of great tips there but um a lot of these holes um the par fours were there was nothing too long it didn't stretch that long 320 340 the number one handicap was 450 yard par four that i parred so everything was working i think the big thing for me was greens in regulation mm-hmm. we were on recently uh, punch greens at this course. You could see it. there's little bumps still in the ground. I left about, I want to say five birdie putts about three feet or less short, mm. and I ended up making the pars. So the short putts working, but I'm because the greens high. were slow from being yeah. punched. Or I was something. like, I could have maybe rolled in more birdies. The score could have been even better, but yeah. I'm not. I'm not going there. But it's just you know, I um, just to wrap up the story. Uh, 17, 18 was par three, par four. It was a long par three. I needed to go uh, bogey par 
to uh, break 80. And I bogeyed the par three. It was So it was you had that. You were calculating the score as you go. I was calculating. You were, so I was giving a story update on Instagram and stuff yeah. like that. So I was creating the drama. And I even said it. I was like, I know I probably jinxed myself. But talk about pressure. I know we're going to talk about this today. Pressure, right? I got up to the 17th hole. And I was, I think, one over. And I had to finish two over on the back in order to break 80. And um, I, I, bogeyed, I bogeyed 17. Mm-hmm. So I went into 18 having to make par. That's where the drama came in. Yeah. So yeah. I smoked the drive. It went to the right of the green. I had like a 20-yard pitch shot. That was my strategy all day. Hit it as far as I can, get it as close to the green as possible, and use my 60-degree wedge for success. And that's what worked. So I got it up. I didn't get it on the green. I got it on the fringe. And then uh, I sculled it a little too hot past. And I had a long one, a 13-footer, according to ShotScope, coming back. It was a nice bender, and I made it. Talk about a pressure putt right there. Yeah, Especially when you pressure. know what it's for. And it's something you and I have both been playing golf for a while now. We know it's a slow road to breaking 80. Not many golfers ever actually do it. So that, talk about pressure. You feel it when you're going for that You putt. feel it, and then the pressure just falls off when the, when the, whole, uh, the putt you know, dropped. But uh, the coolest thing about the day, and I want to say a huge thank you, is hundreds of of DMs mm-hmm. from all of you congratulating me. Uh, people from the past, people have friends I haven't talked to in a long time, Seb, like everyone across the pond and wherever were just shooting me notes. I got text. Andrew Jensen was texting me. We were going back and forth. Great stuff. Thank you guys. Means a lot. Appreciate yeah. it. And, and that's what's so cool about the golf community. Everybody kind of comes together. in it together, together yeah. And it's, even with like our Facebook group, which you guys, if you're not already a part of, make sure you join it. Uh, our Facebook group, is it's a lot of that, people sharing these milestones. Because at the end of the day, although this game, as we talk about all the time here on the podcast, is not all just about score. When it, it does happen, when people reach these milestones, it's great to sit and celebrate it because you realize we talk about a lot of instruction here on the podcast every single week. You realize the work that goes into it yeah. in order to get there. And like I said, the, the numbers, I don't have them in front of me, but the, the reality is the numbers of, of how many people actually shoot in the 80s and then eventually in the 70s and below that, it just gets slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. I heard but, a stat last night. I don't know if it was on TV or I don't know where I heard this, but it says the chances of you beating your handicap in a round are one out of 1,039 or something like that. Mm. That was just, yeah. you know, pretty good. Yeah, I, yeah. You Especially, know? Be, as you said, beating your handicap because the handicap Which was, is, is right. structured um, because, you know, to be as accurate as possible. Right, so that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a eight handicap. No, I just beat it yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And, and there are going to be days when you do beat it, and that's terrific. Um, and I, I'm really excited to eventually, it's going to be in the next couple weeks here, if not already by the time this podcast comes out, uh, share our recent lesson. We like to, when we, we go and we take these lessons, we like to video them because ultimately, even though everything to the golf swing and learning process, there's a lot of things that are very personal to it. The reality is also that um, there's stuff that we can all learn from from watching others learn. So mm-hmm. we went for this this uh, lesson recently, and a big thing that you were looking for was how to hit up on the ball more. We had our uh, a Titleist fitting video that came out recently where it was a big teaser there where the fitter said, look, Mike, if you can learn to have an up, you know, upwards angle of attack mm-hmm. on your drives, you're going to end up with a lot more yardage because right now you're, you're hitting down on the ball. I think you had a negative, anywhere from a negative three to a negative five <laughs> degree attack <laughs> angle on your drive. And then what was so 
funny about that, and this is another reason why so often we'll promote the idea of going and getting an actual lesson. As much great instruction is out there on the web, yep. that one-on-one -on -one lesson is important to just start to steer you in the right direction. Then go and watch you know, the, the content that, that's specific to you because here you are, Mike, you're trying to hit up on the ball. Mm -hmm. And you're doing this, this, this thing where you're trying to swing up on the ball and he showed you, and again, we'll show you in more detail, but he said, no, 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 you don't have to do that. You just, because of the fact that you come over the top, yep. he goes, there's nothing that more that can happen than hit down on it when you're coming over the top like that. Because, and if you simulate it at home, if you do an exaggerated over the top, what happens? It's almost like you're swinging a sledgehammer down. It's just coming down on that right. ball. Mm -hmm. Whereas when he changes your path from inside into out, now you're kind of naturally coming up on the ball. So again, it's recognizing the problem, but then kind of understanding what is the real reason this is happening. Instead of trying to take your old swing, but also adding this like huge, like upward movement, right. he just showed you, listen, you just swing this way and th that club can do nothing but come up. Yeah. And and it's great. I mean, just make it was almost instant. Yeah. Look at that small <laughs> change. Your next round, you're, you're hitting the ball further. You're giving yourself yep. these great opportunities to, to get it close to the 60 degree. I thought that was tremendous. Yeah, man. And the key word on a lot of those DMs that came in was inspirational. Like, yeah. it, like the round inspired a lot of people to get out there and break their personal best or just to get out there and play golf. Yeah. So those were cool messages to, to get. Thanks and that's again. another thing I love about the game is that you're, you're really just playing against yourself. You're always looking to push yourself to do a little bit better, to beat your personal best. Mm -hmm. So congrats again Thanks, on man. getting it done, man. Thanks, that's, that's awesome. Now... Let's just see how low you can go. Right? That's it. That's it. <laughs> um, all right, guys. We want to uh, dive into this week's Twitter tap-in. Before we do, we want to thank this week's sponsor, Titleist. Uh, we're excited to share with you guys this exclusive opportunities from Titleist, but to do them, you've really got to be a part of Team Titleist. The good news, though, is it's free to do so. And so often, you guys ask us when you see certain things like the, the TT on the side of the hat or some of these, you have that great scorecard holder yep, that's got the I Team Titleist. Yep. And the Team Titleist events uh we've got the opportunity to have, right. attend a few of those and the dms ultimately come in that looks so cool how do i do that well the way you do it is by joining team titleist you're going to get opportunities like prototype testing special events as we mentioned limited edition gear with that tt uh logo on it uh so much more and in order to join, it's super simple. It's it's free and easy to do. You can sign up at titleist.com slash team titleist, one word, um, titleist.com slash team titleist. Guys, take the five minutes or less yeah. that it takes to do it. And one thing I will say is make sure you, uh, you fill out that whole profile with your mailing address because, and I know this from talking to some of the guys on the inside of team titleist. They'll randomly select people and just kind of surprise them by sending them something, a hat, some balls, whatever. But the only way they can do that is if they've got your contact info because they're not going to reach out and you say, hey, I'd like to send this to you. Put it in there, fill it out, and then just be surprised every once in a while in the mail when something really cool shows yeah, up. Yeah, that's the best part. That is the best part. Um, all right, let's dive into our Twitter tapping segment this week. And by the way, guys, um, I know we mentioned this every week. I'm just kind of bringing up the tweet here as we uh, as we do this i know i mention this every week but make sure you're following us on twitter so that you can be part of the twitter tap and it is always fun to be able to get your feedback and read off some of your responses here so this week for the twitter tap and we asked what is the best golf gift someone has ever given you and mike you know it especially around the holidays nobody knows what to buy each other right, right. but when they find out you're a golfer 
the stuff just comes out. And I almost want to do a follow-up Twitter tap-in where he asks, what is the worst? Because <laughs> ultimately, you know, God bless him, but there are so many like friends and yeah. family members who don't play golf and they just have no idea. And they just go on Amazon, search golf There's, and get the yeah. first, you know, mm-hmm. trinket they can find. And some of the stuff you're like, oh my God, I'll, I'll, I'll never use this. Right, exactly. There's the, uh, the on the toilet putting game. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people out there have bought that for a friend or for themselves. Yeah. Um, but this is a great question. It's hard. It's hard for me to come up with an answer. And, and it's funny because nobody dares buy me anything golf anymore. <laughs> you know, they know not to like make a mistake or buy me uh, something that I don't like or whatever. But um, I'm going to think all the way back to I remember one Christmas like 10 years ago, my parents were like, you know, hey, what do you want for Christmas or whatever? And I said, you know what? I really want to get into golf. I'd love to get golf clubs. So instead of them buying me like the pointless button-down shirts and ties and, and pants that they would buy every year, right, right. Um, they gave me a gift certificate to the PGA Superstore. And I took it. I went there. I got fitted. I got the TaylorMade Burner 2.0s, yeah. which I had for like five years. And they were great clubs to learn. Um, I learned a lot about my game. And uh, that's kind of what took me on this path. That's so cool. Now, there's a smart gift. Get the gift certificate and yeah. let the golfer go get it for themselves. Exactly. It was perfect. Then I went, I, that was my first fitting. Yeah. You know? I think, I mean, we, we'll, we every year we do a kind of a holiday gift guide on Golficity, and that's one that's got to be in there. If you're not sure what to get, just find like a really great like fitter or something yeah. like that and get, get someone a gift card. That is going to make their day. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking like places like Club Champion, some of these places. You get a, a gift card for a fitting, you're a very happy golfer. It'd be great. Kevin Sprecher should get little gift cards like his photo on Like, you know yes. when you buy gift cards for coffee? It's all different ones. Yes. Like, get well or happy birthday. Sprecher should do a whole bunch. We should get them at any time we see, we, like one of us has a bad swing, just hand to the yeah, other guy. Yeah. Here, go see Sprack. Go see Sprack. Go here's, see a, here's Sprack. a $10 gift certificate. Go see Sprack. You got five minutes with <laughs> Sprack. Five minutes and he could probably fix you that. Exactly. That's all you need. Um, here's one that I really liked. Ed Detuza. He said, uh, my mom found this Bobby Jones statue at an estate sale or something. Love the look at this thing. And this is really kind of cool. And I like how he put the uh, the That's Masters cool. yeah. ball with it. Looks like it's on his little home, uh, home bar set up there. Yeah, I like that. That's pretty cool. Um, and here's a, another great one. Bo Roble says, uh, guess it would have to be my dad buying my first set of custom junior clubs when I was five. Had me hooked ever since. That is such a cool one. Love it. That is so cool. And the fact that he remembers that back when he was five years old getting that and hooked since five. Yeah, that's great. Great stuff. That's great. And we've got, uh, what's PRMC? I can't pronounce it. I'm not even going to try it. Uh, a gift card to Carl's Golf Land. There you go. There's a gift card. First official lesson. Change my game completely. Best gift to get. Better than shiny new clubs. Yeah. And so it's many great. of these kind of follow that same thing of like parents getting for their kids. Bradley Hyder uh, says, my dad got me my first set of non-junior irons, a set of Wilson CI7s. I used them for almost 10 years. And uh, Ed Mount says, my first set of clubs when I was 13 from my parents. So take note, parents. Kids remember it. They do. And you get them. And that's a great age. Anywhere in that, that 10, 13 years old, you know. Right. Oh, and here's one I can definitely get behind. behind. Thomas, Thomas Height, yeah, yeah, I knew says, it. my brother got me a Tor Striker Plane Mate last Christmas. Um, that I can definitely put my weight behind because I got mine and I use it constantly. And I do get DMs all the time when people see me using it on my story and they say, does it really work? And I absolutely do love it. I think it's one of those devices that really does give you that physical feedback and helps you get that ball on plane. I use it all the time as a quick kind of warm up. I'll hit about 
10, 15 shots with it on before I'll go and, and just start taking regular shots on the, on the range or wherever. And I find it just gives me the feel that I need. Um, and you actually, you had the opportunity to uh, work with Martin Chuck on it when we were down in in Florida earlier this year. Uh, So it's a a smart device created by some smart people. So I would say, and I know it was sold out early in the year. It was, was, yeah. I think it was the hottest training aid early in the year. But if they've got them back in stock, whether you get one for yourself or for another golf, you know, golfer in your life, it's one that, you know, you can definitely get behind. Remember how great life was in January? (sighs) Different world. Different world. All right, so that seems to be it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, this great is a fun ones. One. Uh, yeah, appreciate mm-hmm. everybody who sent them in. There are more there. You guys can search the hashtag Twitter tap in to get to read them all and follow us on Golficity at Golficity uh, so that you guys can be part of the conversation. Let's do a quick uh, word from our sponsors here, Mike, and then uh, let's dive into some tips on how you guys can play better golf under pressure. Yeah, let's do it. So this episode is brought to you by ShotScope, the all-in-one GPS and stat tracking watch. Super hot, wearing it right now because yeah, Frank, dude, I'm wearing mine too. We're going to play golf right after this. We are literally watching. Walking out the door from this and going directly to the golf course, which is why we're dressed like this. We're dressed, yeah. yeah. We're dressed for it. So, you know, what is it, guys? What is this thing on our wrist? You know, it's a GPS and stat tracking device. Helps you improve your game. Helps you enjoy the game. I mean, I just turned my computer to Frank before and showed him that beautiful drive I had yesterday, 330 yards. That's the type of stuff you'll get. That type of stats. And, I mean... I love getting all these stats because I have used these stats to help myself improve. Yeah. You know, and then I've, you know, what is your miss? You know, what clubs are you not using? What should I go to a fitter? Is there a big gap in my wedges? Um, I'm not using the 50 anymore. You know, why? Why yeah. not? You know, right. should I use that? So all great stuff there. And what's cool is I love the medals. Yesterday during mm-hmm. that uh, milestone round, I got the medal for a 325 yard tee shot. 10, oh, sorry, hold on. 11 greens in regulation. Yeah, that'll lead to That's why score. I scored well. Yeah. Par fives and regulation, uh, average proximity just kept coming, 75, 30% green success, four consecutive greens and regulations, five consecutive, four consecutive pars, break 80, break 40 on the back. Beautiful day of medals. I feel like that that's famous scene with Tiger and Phil where Phil's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, okay. Right. Now right. you just rub it in. The winner of the 2001. Right, yeah. <laughs> now you just rub it in. But that's, you know, it's cool. Shot scope, I think, honestly, it's the best device you could buy for your golf game, hands down. And one thing I'll add to that, Mike, the battery life. Yeah. So on days like today when we're going to play golf, I'll wear it as a watch because yep. it's got watch mode. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. Last time we were out on the course, it's got to be, it was what, late last week, right? Yep. I had it, after the round, I had it in watch mode. And I left it in my bag. Yep. Anyway, I pulled it out last night, the charger. So that's like five days. It was still five on. Days, still on. It was yeah. at about half the battery. Yeah. So the battery life is also dramatically improved over the V2. So if you're a V2 user and you know, you're looking for a little better, you know, battery life, V3 is your upgrade. That's it. Yeah. So check it out. Shotscope.com slash golficity. And lastly, just want to thank FootJoy. Big thanks to those guys. They're always keeping us looking good, feeling loose, keeping us warm, and now keeping us dry. We might need it today, Frank. The all-new Hydro Tour jacket from FootJoy. I'm looking out the window. It looks a little dark yeah, out there. Yeah, a little rain on the way down here. Too. That's all right. But hey, these jackets are storm-proven. They're built to protect you from the most extreme weather conditions, wind, rain, you name it. It has a three-panel construction. It reduces bulk, which is key, um, improves mobility, maximizes waterproof protection. No one wants to get wet out there, believe me. Uh, not to mention they're stylish and, like I said, 100% waterproof. You can fold it down to nothing, nothing, stuff it in your bag, and boom, there you go. So, guys, check out the new Hydro Tour golf jacket from FootJoy today. Yeah, and especially in these transitional seasons, fall and spring, it is just so smart to have it in there. Yeah, no Because, I mean, it, it, it can lead to playing more golf. You know, the difference between being able to, ha- to have that come in because you're soaked to the bone versus right. getting out there and playing a little more. Right. All right, switching gears here, let's talk about how to play better under pressure. And here's the thing. 
one thing we're going to keep coming back to is the fact that there is pressure out there. The fact that there is difficulty in challenge is actually a good thing. We all know golf is hard. Golf is one of the most difficult sports. And and I think one evidence of this is when you see some of the world's best athletes in other sports pick up a golf club, it's not like it just happens naturally. Right. They struggle too. It's a difficult thing to do. So once you start to understand that and accept that challenge, that's when your perspective on pressure is ultimately going to start to change. You're going to start to get into a, a situation where you start to understand the pressure, feel comfortable with the pressure, and actually in some ways want the pressure. You and I have talked about this, Mike. We've talked about how we sometimes like playing yep. with something on the line mm-hmm. or with with golfers who are better golfers yep. because it. it pushes you a little bit. So if you can start to do that mental shift, if you take nothing else away from the tips we're going to talk about here, if you just start to take that one idea of shifting mentally to a more of an embrace of pressure, embrace of challenge of the game, and you're going to find you'll, you'll even start to seek it out. Um, I mean, an example of this is we like to play the world's hardest golf courses. You know, why else would you want to do that? Would you want, you know, why would you want to beat yourself up? It's because you want the challenge that comes with with golf. Right. So that's the first tip. The first tip is that it very much starts with acceptance. And learning to play under pressure is just, it's a fact of life on the golf course. It's inevitable. You're going to feel nervous from time to time. So that's fine. And understanding that. And, and I think where a lot of golfers get tripped up is they try to completely eliminate nerves from their game. They try to crush it down inside and pretend it's not there and pretend they're not nervous. And really what that ends up being is a mistake. It's, it's not, it's not the self-awareness that you're truly looking for. The best players on earth, the PGA tour, the guys who look cool as a cucumber, we're talking about like Dustin Johnson, like a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. when it was just like the pressure and the, and, and the putting that was going back and forth with him and him and John Rahm and stuff like that. It's not that these guys have eliminated nerves. And sometimes you catch them in a very honest interview and you'll hear them talk about how they were nervous or yep. whatever. Yep. It's the fact that they've learned how to play well despite the nerves. I mean, highlight, underline that. That's the most important thing. It's not that you're going to try to eliminate nerves. It's that you're going to learn to play well even when you're nervous. And maybe, obviously, we're not in a PGA Tour playoff, but we've all experienced those nerves when you're teeing off in front of a large crowd, or maybe it's your, you know, your league championship and you're coming down 18 and and everybody's standing around the green waiting to see what happens. That's where this nerves is going to come in. But it's reminding yourself truly that it's okay to feel those nerves and that you still can play your best even while nervous. But you just need to understand that this, that it takes getting accustomed to. Yep. Mm-hmm. It ta- like anything else in golf, it takes practice. Um, so, I mean, what was the last time you can remember being really nervous out there? Yesterday. Was it yesterday? <laughs> it was yesterday, right. Yesterday on 17. But uh, yet you still hold that putt. Yeah. Right? That was a, you knew what was on the line. It was a nerve-wracking putt, but mm-hmm. you still hold it. So where did you go in that moment? I just went into my my typical routine, you know, yes. I, my putting routine, you know, studying the putt. I mean, I knew what was on the line. Yeah. I knew if I drained that putt, I have a milestone mm-hmm. goal that I've been trying to hit for a long time. But I wasn't really even that, you know, thinking about that. It was more about the putt. So I, I, I stayed in my game. 
which I thought helped me instead of getting all nervous. I mean, you remember that old Tiger commercial where he's watching the guy putt and the minute he stands over, he's like, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have any of that. You know, I just, um, I was cool as a cucumber, but I, you can feel the pressure mounting on you. Yes. It's weird. It's like a, you can definitely feel it physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, like everything was starting to change and I was starting to get tight and, you know, I noticed it at the end. I mean, it's crazy. Pressure does take over. It does. It's just how you it deal has, with it. You have a physical response to it. So understanding and first being aware of and recognizing that physical response and then understanding how to work through it by getting a comfort level to it. And a big part of this too is knowing that it's going to happen on a pretty regular basis. So the more you put yourself in these pressure situations, the more you become accustomed to it. So that's another big tip here is going to be not to not avoid pressure situations. Put yourself in a little bit of pressure here and there. You know, I mean, it's sometimes it's easy, especially when you're playing an informal round to just kind of like, eh, I'm picking up this hole. You guys play it out. I'm yeah. out of here. Pressure yourself to push through and, 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 and still try to make something of it and you'll be a better golfer for it. But as Mike said, our, our one big tip is to be stick to a routine. And if you don't already have a pre-shot routine, we've done episodes on it. We'll talk about it more. There's plenty of resources on it on golfacity.com so you can check that out. But if you don't already have a regular re- pre-shot routine, don't wait another second. Put it into play now. Start to develop one. Develop one that's personal to you and then stick to it. And when I mean stick to it, I mean you should be using your pre-shot routine at all times for every shot, even on the range. Too many people go through and they blast through a bucket of balls. If you watch the pros do it, they're methodical. They still go through their pre-shot routine before each shot on the range. And they are simulating pressure out there too by picking specific targets and challenging themselves to hit them. So do a pre-shot routine because it's also, it's going to be an indication of your response to pressure. In high pressure situations, sometimes we'll abbreviate it. We'll just want to get the shot done and we just step up and hit it. And then you realize, wait a minute, I didn't respond to the pressure properly there. I did not do my pre-shot routine. So that's an important one. Mm -hmm. Another thing is have a plan for each shot. You know, you, you don't want to just, it's such a slippery slope. We've all done it. I'm guilty too. I'm guilty even recently of this idea of just wanting to get the shot over with and just kind of rushing through it. But by making a plan, a real strategy to each shot, it's going to help you focus on the execution of that shot rather than the pressure. The more you can shift your mind to like get as we recently had the, the podcast a couple of weeks ago where we talked about getting in the zone, in and out of the zone. Mm, yep. And we talked about like the attention to detail and the visualization. These are types of things that are going to shift your mind to thinking about that. Thinking about the minute details of, of your plan for the shot is going to give your brain less room right. to think about worrying. Yep. So you're blocking it out with instead that. And this is the third tip here is, Mike, I have something I've heard you say uh, before often is taking a deep breath. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of peeling off whatever else is lingering. Exactly. And if you do develop that pre-shot routine, put part of it as taking a deep breath because there's no better way to simultaneously do a physical inventory of your body to see if you're holding on to any pressure or tension anywhere, but at the same time also relax it. The big deep breath in and and out in a kind of a methodical rhythm can do so many things for your game. One, it can relax the muscles, but the other thing it can do is it can help set a slower, calmer rhythm. Yeah. And if you mm-hmm. become out there really in tune to yourself, you'll start to realize when you're breathing fast mm-hmm. and when you're nice and slow and calm. And when you're breathing kind of fast, it means everything is kind of geared up. Yeah. And it's it's no situation to make a good golf shot. So it, that's really important. Another thing you can do is, and we've talked about before being super specific with your targets. 
We still want you to do that, but maybe just select some more generous targets in those very high pressure situations, right? So maybe this might be, again, that, that final hole of the club championship or whatever it may be. Here's where understanding and recognizing that you're under pressure and then that pressure is going to have some sort of effect on your physical performance and you'll get better and better with this at time you know over time but first just understanding that and recognizing that as one more kind of hazard out there mm -hmm. i mean we don't take a shot without looking at the hole and surveying where the trouble is same type of thing survey your body there's a little bit of trouble here I, i'm not at my peak execution because i'm a little bit nervous maybe i'm going to aim for a little fatter spot of the green yeah right or maybe i'm going to err on the side of instead of going long where there's a ton of trouble and i might have to put back downhill in this random example you know i'm going to you know use a little less club and, and go uphill or or it might be something where hey this is a shot. It's a 150 shot. I know I can, if I, if I really hit my eight iron well, I can get there, but it's got to be a perfect, perfect ball strike. Maybe mm. instead I'll take my seven iron, swing a little bit more comfortably and slowly in this situation because I notice that my body's a little tense and a little tight. And if I try, I'm not necessarily the chance of me hitting that perfect shot or not as good. Right. So a little bit of an adaptation is going to be, it's going to go a long way. Oh yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, I love what you said about, you know, picking big targets, hitting the middle of the green, not trying to go for the pin, all stuff that's just easy to do, yeah. you know, but we, again, us as the human brain, we don't, we see a pin, we try to hunt it. We, we, um, yesterday, f f great example, fifth hole, par three, water all left side and around the green. And the buddy that I was playing with got up and he, he he's not that great of a golfer. He, he didn't play that well yesterday, but he got up and he said, oh man, there's water, man. I'm going in the water. This is not cool. Uh, I better be talk to himself. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why'd you even bring that up? I right. go, listen, it's 140 yards. There's a huge green right out there. You're on a driving range in your head. Pretend. Yeah. And just hit the ball. He ended up hitting a good shot. It went a little right to the green, but he didn't go in the water. Yeah. I was like, you got to block that stuff out. And it helped him. Mm-hmm. Um, pick a bigger target. Don't worry about the negative targets, the yeah. bad targets that you don't want. So, um, you know. It really goes back to our recent episode about getting in the zone where we talked about like kind of manifesting these things. If your focus is that water, that water, that water, right. don't be surprised if your body responds by putting it Put there. It in the water. Yeah. So, yeah. So picking those a little bit um, more generous targets can really help. And also, again, all this is awareness. As you play this game more and more, you'll be more and more aware of where your body's at, where your ability's at in that moment. And that is a moving target. It does fluctuate, but you'll start to realize when it is that you can get a little bit more yeah. aggressive, mm -hmm. you know, and when it is that you might maybe not, not play that super aggressive shot right now. And just going along with that idea, just making your life a little bit easier um, can be really you know, like I said, uh, another big help here. Uh, again, th thinking through your shots, putting more of a emphasis on strategy, something that a lot of times, you know, as, as newer or amateur golfers, we don't think about, we don't think about on our approach, reading the slope of the green, right? We're just kind of firing either at the middle of the green or at the pin, but instead realizing, looking ahead, looking at that slope, trying to set yourself up with an uphill putt rather than a downhill putt, man, if you're nervous and now you're behind a green that's sloping downhill and you're chipping on this downhill sloping green, you're setting yourself up for a very difficult shot where you're already nervous. So trying to make your life easier in any way you can. You're always going to be out of position here and there, but if you can just think about it and be part of your strategy, you'll find you're putting yourself in a little bit easier situation. Yeah. I mean, I like it. And one of the things that I just thought of as you were talking, it's a little bit off the topic, but something I noticed the pros do a lot 
if they screw up a shot really bad, they don't just get up, anger it, you know, and hit it again. Yeah. I am jealous of the fact that how they're able to reset. Yes. Wipe the club off, maybe get a different club. Right. Greenside bunker. Nah, that wasn't. Let me get it. You know what I mean? And just go back to it. Same routine. Do it and then hit it right next to the to the hole. Yeah. They didn't let it get to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm so jealous of that. It is it is a discipline. It takes discipline. <laughs> I tell you the truth. Because I've done the same thing. You you're you know, you're off the green on a par four and three, and you've got this chip shot, and you're like, okay, you know, I could chip it close and get out of here with my bogey. Right. And you flub the chip shot. And now you're just thinking, here comes the here triple comes. or comes. something yep. like that. Mm-hmm. But then you think about those instances where you, as you said, like guys like Tiger. Even Tiger makes that mistake. I've seen the highlight reels. He flubs because he's in, you know they're in much heavier rough, but he'll flub something. Then he'll, as you said, he'll step back, reset. And how many times have you seen Tiger chip the next one in? Exactly. Yeah, it's but nice. he's not just walking up to it now with the same club, and be like, Ugh, yeah, and just, try it again. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's like, all right, that happened. There's no erasing that. There's no reason to make it worse. So that's really important. So another thing you can do is really work on gaining some experience playing under pressure. Mm. Um, really, as with any aspect of your golf game, nothing is going to help more than experience. The more you play, the more you're going to get better at things. The more you putt, the better putter you're going to be. The more you play under pressure, the better of a pressure player you're going to be. So playing under pressure is something you can adapt to with experience. Um Easiest would be what? Just playing with your buddies for money or for something? You can absolutely do that. I think that the lowest hanging fruit is just to change your range sessions and make it more pressure. Or change your practice sessions on the putting green. Put out, you know... Five balls at at five feet and just say, I can't leave this session until I hole all five. Now, when you hole four in a row and you're standing under that fifth, boom, you're feeling the pressure. Oh, yeah. Right? So that's a big one. Or we talked about this the other day in one of our Twitter tapping segments where we said, what was the last competitive round you played? Push yourself out of your comfort zone and go play in a competitive round. You know? I mean, it's it's not – again, you're not playing – PGA Tour big money, but you can right. sign yourself up for your local, local. you know, Muni yeah. or clubs championship or whatever it might be, or the or a league. A lot of these have like league nights and Thursday night leagues or whatever it may be. Get in there and start to feel. Best that thing pressure. you could do, I think. I shot a ninety-seven at my local tournament like five years ago. I didn't care. Right. The experience was amazing, and I learned how to play with pressure. That's it. And if you if you do something like join a league where you're regularly playing matches every week, you're all of a sudden you're like you're getting in that rhythm really quick because you're you're feeling that pressure every single week and often you've got a partner you're playing with, you don't want to let them down and stuff right. like that. So it might feel uncomfortable in the beginning. It's no different than first starting to work out. Those first couple of times you're going to drag, you're going to feel uncomfortable, you're going to physically your body's going to feel uncomfortable. Well, it's the same type of thing with with the mental side, the pressure. It's going to be uncomfortable. You're not going to necessarily like it, but then all of a sudden you start to like it. You know, it's like going to the gym and like I like that feeling. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. getting stronger. Mm-hmm. And this is where you can say I like that feeling. I'm getting more able to play under pressure. There you go. Right. So, another thing is and, and the last tip we'll kind of leave you with is really to embrace the challenge. Um, most of us are not playing golf for a living. We're playing because we love the game. And trust me, as much as it's great every once in a while to just kind of go real low and and maybe you know play a course that's easier than what you normally do, none of us would feel very satisfied if this game was super easy. If it, we were out there playing completely flat courses with no hazards and it was almost like playing a long mini golf, none of us would be that fulfilled. So understand that part of why you're fulfilled by the game is because it is challenging. Part of the reason why you love this game, believe it or not, is those nights you sit up in bed kind of lamenting over something you 
you did wrong right. mm-hmm. but then also your mind eventually shifts gears to like oh wait a minute maybe if i try this mm-hmm. we like that we like to constantly work on getting better and i heard uh one instructor say it recently on instagram i love this instagram has a lot of quick kind of tips and i like the mental game ones and i don't remember who the instructor was it was a while ago i'll have to go back and dig it up but they said that changing your expectations and understanding that you're not going to hit every shot well you realize how how many things have to go exactly right for that perfect sweet spot center face contact with the right attack angle with the right you know club face square to the target understand that this is a game that's designed to make it so that doesn't happen often especially when we get on the golf course and now even if you were the best range golfer everywhere and you could you you spray that spray on the club face so you can see where you're striking it and your center strike every single time now you go out to the to the course and there's not an even lie to be found. Yep. Now you've got another <laughs> wrench thrown in it. So understand that there is going to be those difficulties. And by by changing that perspective and saying, yeah, I can't expect this to play well every time, but I can expect myself to learn to react and adapt to when I hit the bad shots like we were talking about. Right. That's all going to help. So embrace the challenge, embrace the fact that it's hard, and embrace the pressure, and then watch how you start to play better and better under pressure. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. So good stuff. But as always, like I said, we can only talk about so many tips here You know, in a, in a half-hour show. We want to know more of stuff that worked for you. So if you've got something that has helped you play better under pressure or a story that you'd like to share about a pressure situation that either went well or did not, I mean, Mm. we can all learn from these different things. And plus, we enjoy hearing them as golfers. Drop them in the comments or drop them in our Facebook group. You can go to Facebook. Just search the golf podcast. You'll see our group pop up great community got about three thousand members in there now Mm -hmm. uh just great conversation super supportive group which we owe all to you guys the everyone in that group is great like i said when things go right or wrong they're there to kind of help and support each other so that's great stuff but drop it there let us know we want to continue the conversation uh week after week uh in the meantime though if you want to get to the show notes of everything anything we talked about you can go to golfisty.com slash episode 345 or download the golfisty app for ios or android you can get all all your podcasts right there yeah man and i got a one iron and a 76 degree wedge in my bag you want to have some fun let's go have some fun we're <laughs> off to the course guys we'll see everybody again next week